You're listening to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I'm here to help facilitate conversations around what it means to step into your confidence so you can live the life you want, not the one you think you should. Join me as we talk about body and self-acceptance, nutrition, movement, and mindset so that you can uncover what dulls your sparkle so you can shine. With that, let's go to the show. Hello, my friend. Oh, it's so good to be with you again. Thank you for being here. If this is your first time listening, hi, welcome to the show. My name is Kim, and I am the founder of Captivatingly Confident and the host of the Captivatingly Confident podcast, a place where you can come and learn how to up-level your confidence so that you can live the life that you want not the one that you think you should. We talk a lot about body image, personal style, nutrition, movement, and mindset on this show. And today, we're going to dive into three ways to think less about food. How many of you spend a chunk of your day thinking about food? Raise your hand. Unless you're driving, don't raise your hand. A lot of us do. And I want to very firstly start off by normalizing this and saying that everybody thinks about food at least three times a day. People are thinking about food. For some people, that comes up as a frustration. Why do I have to think about food so much? For some people, it's avoidance. Oh my goodness, I just went through my whole day and I haven't even thought about food. And for some people, it's an obsession and it happens all day long. And no matter where you're at on this scale, everybody could benefit from these three steps that I have to think about food, not necessarily even less, but differently, depending on where you're at. So I have a background in personal training and nutrition coaching, and I've done that for 10 years And it's been incredible, and I've learned so much about the reasons that people think about food or don't think about food and avoid it altogether. And I want to share with you kind of these three steps that build on each other to help you find freedom emotionally and mentally to be able to use that energy to think about other things and to find more happiness and confidence in your life. And I've seen these three steps work time after time after time with so many of my clients, and I wanted to share it with you today. So thinking about food is completely normal. Oftentimes we think, gosh, what is wrong with me? We have kind of this judgment on ourselves. Or we get mad at food. Why do I have to eat? Why do I have to do that? Why can't I just swear off food and be done with it? No, you can't. You have to eat. And by looking at the reasons why it's such a struggle, I feel like we'll bring so much illumination and so much freedom for you. And I have personal experience with this. It's something that I haven't talked about very much, but in the last couple of weeks, it has been surfacing for me a lot in that. I want to share this part of my story. And the part of my story is that I am very much, thankfully, recovered from orthorexia. Orthorexia is defined as having an obsession with healthful and proper nutrition and eating. 
And I would add in exercise as well because they play off of each other. But it's this compulsive, obsessive need to be healthy to like the nth degree, especially when it comes to food. And this was something that I battled for, I'm going to say, with conscious awareness about five years. Uh, It was really debilitating. It impacted my marriage, my friendships, my time, my health. I mean, it was huge, a huge, huge struggle for me. And that's something that I'm working on that podcast episode, working myself up to it um, because it has been a big part of my story. And I'm so thankful to be recovered for at least the last, what, five or six years? Yeah. Oh, the freedom that comes from giving up a strict stingent stringent definition of health and to find freedom to eat intuitively. Oh, friends, friends. It's amazing. And I'll tell that story another day. But I tell you that because I have personal experience with this. And I know that if you start to implement these different steps, that you will find that freedom that you will start to shift the way that you think about things and it'll change so much for you. So much. And I, again, I've seen it time and time again with my clients and it's so powerful. So three ways to think about food less or differently, depending on who you are. So the first step is to identify what you really need. A lot of times we eat out of emotion or the practice of avoiding or stuffing emotions. So emotions like anxiety, depression, boredom, sadness, fear, frustration, celebration, uh, feeling elated, uh, using it as a reward. These are emotions that drive the reasons that we eat. And A lot of times food is used to suppress a lot of those emotions, especially the uncomfortable ones. That's where food comes in and can trigger that sweet spot in your brain where you get that nice boost where you're like, oh, okay, I feel better. Especially sugar and salty foods, depending on what emotion it is that you're trying to quench. And those foods give us just that hit, that little dopamine hit, and we feel better. And we're distracted from the actual feelings that are going on. The problem about that is that then you're dependent upon food to help you avoid emotions. And it can also be not just negative emotions, but positive ones too. And that can be, again, if you've done something and you feel like you need a reward. This is something I saw in the gym all the time. People would hit a goal or they would lose a certain amount of weight and then they would celebrate by going out to dinner or going to get a special treat right and it's like wait 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 wait! but you're sabotaging your own progress and then the problem with like having those cheat meals or cheat days is that then they turn into cheat weeks and cheat months and then you're off the track you've fallen off the wagon and it's really hard to get back on and One of the things that I do, especially with my son, is that there are no treats. There's nothing that's off limits. There's nothing that's like a special reward food. We definitely don't use food as a reward. The preschool that he goes to does this, and it drives me bananas. 
and we're working with them to figure out alternate solutions because this idea that food is a reward plagues you as an adult, does it not? It's like anytime you're feeling sad and you need comfort or you want to celebrate, your your immediate response is to turn to food. And the problem with that, again, is that then we're dependent on food and it gets us thinking about it. And if our whole goal is to think less and differently about food, this does not help. And so one of the things that you can do is to identify what you really need. So if you're finding that trigger, like, oh, I just, I just need some food. I just need something crunchy. I just need something salty. I just need a little snack. I want you to pause before you reach for something and to give yourself like two to three minutes to let the feelings come up, to let them surface in your body. Maybe you feel a little bit of pressure in your chest or a tightness in your throat, or maybe a tear comes to your eye. Let it take up some space. I think we get afraid that if we let emotions take some space, that they're going to take all the space and that it's never going to end. That if you start crying, you're not going to stop. And here's the thing about emotions is that they have an apex and a descent, right? It's like there's a ramp up and you can feel that. And that's when the cravings kick in and you reach kind of the apex. And that's when it just like, you let it take over and it takes up space. And maybe you start crying or you feel mad or you feel anxious or you feel depressed and you let those feelings take up space. and then. The feelings lessen as you come down the other side. And it's like, oh, okay. I like to think of it as like a roller coaster, you know, or like if you're on the log ride or something. My parents forced me to go on that when I was, I think I was like eight or nine, and I'm terrified of heights and falling from them. And I just remember kicking and screaming all the way up Splash Mountain. And my parents made me go on it. And they're like, trust us, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. I hated it. And it was very traumatic. I'm still working through it. But the idea is that, you know, you're climbing in the, the log and it goes up, up, up. And you reach the top and there's that pause and then whoa, that sickening drop. And you get to the bottom of the log, right? And you're like, oh, wow. For a lot of people, it's like, wee, that was fun. And for me, it was like, oh my God, I'm traumatized. This was the worst, but I'm okay. I'm okay. And that's how it is with emotions. It's like the log ride. It's usually about a three to five minute cycle. And if you give it space, if you give it some air, that's how you move through these emotions. The trouble comes when we try to repress, right? And we use food to repress. We use social media, shopping, all of the kind of addictive behaviors that we get stuck in because we don't want to feel negative emotions. And sister, there is nothing wrong with you for wanting that. Nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. Nobody's like, yes, please, I'd like to sit here and feel miserable. That would be great. No, nobody does that. Oh, no, you want to avoid that. But using food keeps you stuck. And it keeps you spending mental energy thinking about vices and like we we call them addicting foods like sugar is you know it's like oh a sugar addiction and you know i'm just addicted to sweets you're not you're addicted to numbing your emotions and you have a dependence on a substance 
or an activity to help you achieve that purpose. And the only way to grow in your confidence and in your happiness is to let those feelings take up some space so that you can identify what it is that you really need. What unmet need is happening for you? Maybe it's like an inner child wound that hasn't been healed. Maybe it's a relational need with your partner or spouse. Maybe it's a family need. What is your need that is not being met? And what foods are you using to keep that pressed down, to repress it so that you don't have to experience it and feel it? And if you need a safe place to do that, the Captivatingly Confident Facebook community is a closed group. There's 250 of us women who are on the similar journey of stepping into more confidence in our lives. And that is a great place for you to experience support as you try to figure out how to let these emotional feelings take up some space and to really express your needs. And if you can't figure out what you need, take it a level up and ask yourself, what do I want in this moment? Take the food out. What do you want? I want to feel connected. I want to feel seen. I want to feel supported. I want to feel happy. I want to feel confident. What do you want? And what do you need? And what is getting in the way of what you need? Maybe it's a conversation that needs to happen with a specific person. Maybe it's, it can be anything. But spending time thinking about it, giving it space, is critical. And I want to focus on the second one for a minute, which is finding other pleasurable things to enjoy. So a lot of times we also use food when we're happy and when we want to celebrate. There's no like celebration that doesn't have food involved. Am I right? Whether it's a party or going out to dinner or having drinks with friends or going to coffee, like there's food involved in all things pleasurable. And our brains are hardwired. <laughs> for pleasure. That's like what drives us, right? It's it's what we seek out. But the problem is is that food often is equal to pleasure, especially hyperpalatable foods. And this is important to know because a lot of people carry around a lot of guilt and shame about eating out in fast food and also snack foods that have a lot of these ingredients in them and they think, "Oh, why can't I just say no? What's wrong with me? And there's nothing wrong with you. That's how foods are created. That's how fast food is created. Like think of Taco Bell. They have it down to a science, down to the smell, the texture, the taste, the flavor, how it feels in your mouth. All of it is genetically designed to make you want more because they're a business. Food manufacturers are in the business of making money and keeping you dependent on their foods and they use sugars and spices and salts and sweeteners to keep you coming back for more because it's pleasurable. It's designed to elicit a pleasurable response. Imagine if you were like, okay, I just got a promotion at work and I just landed this new client or I just had this breakthrough with my kiddo and I want to celebrate. Let's go have some broccoli and chicken. What? Nobody says that. Nobody's like, yeah, broccoli and chicken. No. Kids at school, like the teachers at my son's school are not going to be like, you did a great job at nap time today. Here is some asparagus. It's raw. It's delicious. 
They're not going to do that. They're going to hand him candy, right? Because that idea is ridiculous to us. Why would we not have something sweet or palatable that's something that really checks all the boxes? Why wouldn't we do that? And when you start to think about it that way, it's like, oh, interesting. And you can find other things to enjoy that have nothing to do with food. So let's think for a second. Let's brainstorm a couple of different ways that you can find pleasure outside of food. One of the things that I love to do is to give myself a hand and foot massage. Oh, I love it. I have a whole slew of essential oils. I add them to my lotion and I just give myself a little like two or five minute massage. Sometimes I rub my hands or my calves or my feet. Oh, it feels so good and indulgent. And it's my way of finding pleasure. Oftentimes I go for a walk. That feels pleasurable. Reading a book, listening to music. Maybe it's a scent. Maybe you have an oil diffuser or a candle that you like to light. Use your other senses other than just your palate, your taste, to experience pleasure and joy in the world. Do something with your hands. Move your body in a specific way. Find pleasure in things outside of food, and it will start to shift your whole world when it's just more than just food. I also want to encourage you to think five minutes beyond the meal. And this is true for emotional eating, celebratory eating. I want you to really think about outside of the meal. Oftentimes we get stuck in the trap of, oh, I just, I need to eat this food. It's going to feel so good. It's going to taste amazing. It's going to help me avoid these emotions. And P.S., you don't cognitively think the last one, but it's definitely in your subconscious. And you're, you're thinking about how good it's going to be. And so maybe you eat more even than you wanted to because there's just this Russian frenzy, isn't there? Think about it. When you're using food, there is a rush. And there's almost a sense of, I need to hide this. I need to hide this behavior. I need to hide how I'm going to eat three to five cookies really quickly instead of just openly savoring just one or maybe two or maybe three or five, but enjoying them, not feeling like you have to rush them. But I want you to think five minutes after that, what's going to happen when you've cleaned up the crumbs, put the dish away, closed up the bag, put it back in the pantry? Then what? Is it still going to bring you that much pleasure as it did while you were eating it? Because oftentimes what happens is that then the guilt sets in, especially if you've eaten something that you shouldn't or that you can't have, food that's bad or unhealthy, or you've eaten quickly and you've eaten kind of secretively. That guilt. Do you know what I'm talking about right now? Oh, the guilt. That feeling of like crap. I just did it again. I ate too much or I ate something I shouldn't have. Okay, I'll just, I'll try again tomorrow. I'll get back on track tomorrow. And I want you to think about that because if you do that enough times, then not only guilt shows up, but shame. What's wrong with me? Why does everybody else seem to be able to eat food normally and I'm over here emotionally eating? What's wrong with me? Why why do I not belong? And that shame will keep you stuck. And it's so isolating. And I want you to really be aware of that and to think five minutes after your meal, 
and to think, what's going to happen for me? This was a huge tool for me in my own healing journey was to get out of the frenzy because I was a binge eater. I would binge, binge, binge on like, quote, healthy food. I remember taking raisins over to my sister-in-law's house. We were doing a barbecue with s'mores. Everyone else is eating s'mores and I'm sitting there eating raisins. Like, this is, and I thought, oh, shame on you people for eating sugary stuff. Don't you know that's unhealthy? Like, that's what orthorexia does. It totally twists your view of food. Now I'm like, give me a s'more. I'm going to savor it and enjoy it and eat as much as I want, and then I'm going to be done. No guilt, no shame, no hiding, no binging, just enjoying. And it has changed my entire life, and it can change yours too. And this is one of the processes, is to think beyond eating the food. And then the third step is to accept the thoughts that you have without judgment. You have to think about food. You have to. It is a part of your survival mechanism. If you didn't think about food, you wouldn't survive because you wouldn't eat. And we get so critical about this. and We get so judgmental to ourselves. Like, why can't I just stop thinking about food? Why do I obsess over this? And it's like this constant berating. But friend, there's nothing wrong with you. It is normal to think about food. What the issue is, is how much time do you want to spend thinking about food? And what are you going to do about it? So raising awareness over your curiosity versus judgment. Get curious about, well, why am I thinking about food right now? Again, what, what do I need right now? What's happening for me? What's happening for my body? We get so disconnected from our own hunger hormones. And this is huge is to raise awareness about, am I really hungry? Am I gut hungry or am I head hungry? Head hungry often comes in the form of cravings and happens if you have just eaten a meal versus tummy hungry is physical. It's like your stomach's growling and you're like, whoa, I need some fuel. Like you feel it in your body. That's gut hunger. And identifying the two, but not having judgment over it, but raising awareness of, okay, I think this is head hunger. If it's head hunger, I'm probably not needing food. What else am I needing in this moment? What's going on for me? Get curious. Don't judge. Curiosity. It's so much more compassionate and gracious than judging, right? And don't we need more compassion for ourselves and others? Holy cow. I think we do. And then the last part of that is to make a plan. So one of the things that I love is batch cooking. And batch cooking, we'll talk about in a second, and it replaces meal planning. Meal planning is, in my professional opinion, a pain in the tuchus, okay? It's a pain in the butt to look up new recipes, to plan out what meal is going to happen every day, and how you're going to squeeze in time to cook these meals throughout the week. That feels like a pain to me. And I have been doing this kind of work for 10 years, and I know that it is so incredibly hard to stick to meal planning. Batch cooking is great because it allows you to have a fridge full of foods that are already prepared that you don't have to cook. All you have to do is reheat or maybe eat them cold. Depends on what the food is. So what I do is I set aside time to go grocery shopping and I get all the things that I need for the week. And then I come home and I cook the foods. I don't cook meals. I cook foods. 
So I'll cook up five or six types of veggies, five or six types of proteins, some grains, hard-boiled eggs, things that are easy to grab, and I stock my fridge full of Tupperware. (laughs) And I have all these different foods. So then when my hubby comes home at 7.30, which is when he eats dinner, he can pick and pull whatever he wants. When I eat dinner at like five or six, I can pick and pull whatever I want. When my son eats, I can choose, he can, I can give him options and he can choose and eat that. Then everybody gets what they want. It's so easy. The cooking is already done. And it's so nice to be able to pack lunches that way. It seriously has been a game changer for us. And so if you are one of those people that hates cooking, can't seem to stick to a meal plan, is tired of thinking about what am I going to cook for dinner? What am I going to cook for this? How am I going to get... If that's you, batch cooking could be the answer that you're looking for. So in the Captivatingly Confident Facebook group, I did a two-hour video (laughs) on batch cooking. And I walked you through the steps of how I do dishes as the same time as cooking and cleaning up as I go and how it flows. And the more you do it, the faster you get at it and the more enjoyable it can be. So if you're curious about batch cooking, send me a PM on Facebook or an email, Kim at CaptivatinglyConfident.com. I'm kind of toying with the idea of doing a guide for it, maybe like a webinar to tell you how to practically do this thing so that you can save so much mental, physical, and emotional energy by just having your food already done. It's so nice. And it's affordable too, if I didn't mention that. So I'd love your feedback on that because if that's something you're interested in, I would love to help you learn how to do it. It has been a game changer for us. So let's recap real quick. So three ways to think about food less or differently. The first one is what do you really need? Identify what emotion or need is driving this search for food or search for pleasure and switch from thinking about food to thinking about needs. What do I need in this moment? Especially if you have triggery foods that you're craving or if you're in a situation that often triggers you, whether that's work, home, friends, family, that usually you feel specific emotions that you try to avoid, raise awareness of those and let them take up some space and practice lots of self-compassion as you learn to have those uncomfortable feelings take up some space. The more you do it, the better you get at it, the less feelings you have and the more confidence and freedom that you have too. The second one is find other pleasurable things to enjoy. Seek out pleasure that has nothing to do with food. Find rewards that have nothing to do with food. Think five minutes beyond your meal and evaluate how you're going to feel after you eat it. Are you going to feel empowered by your choices or are you going to feel guilty and shameful? What is going to happen for you? And then number three, accept the thoughts that you have without judgment. Get curious about yourself. Get curious about your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, your needs, and welcome those thoughts. Don't judge them. And then make a plan. Make a plan so that you are not having to judge yourself and that you're not having to spend all of this time figuring out, oh, what am I going to eat? How am I going to get this food? Again, whether that's meal planning, batch cooking, meal delivery service, whatever it is for you, make a plan. Maybe it means getting more help in the kitchen from your partner or spouse. 
Maybe it's doing something like a sun basket or a HelloFresh box. Could be anything for you. But get curious about what you need to make it so that you can free up that mental and emotional space and be able to dedicate that energy to pursuing happiness, to being more present with those that you love, doing the things that you want to do instead of thinking about food. So again, if this resonates with you and you want to continue the conversation around this, Facebook, Captivatingly Confident Community, type it in, come and join the group, join the conversation about this. And you can also email me, Kim at CaptivatinglyConfident.com. I answer all my emails. Sometimes it takes me a little while, but I answer them all because it's so important to me to hear from you and to start up conversations about what we talk about on the show. I don't want you to just walk away and forget what we talked about. I want it to really hit home for you and to be there to support you. And that's also why I love the Facebook group, because it's so great for getting support and encouragement and ideas too. All right, my friends, quick spoiler alert for episode 92, which is coming out on Tuesday. It's going to be so good. Melissa Reeves from Mother Birth. Co is going to be on the show talking about her incredible story of loss and fulfillment and passion and how to amplify your life using your moon cycle and your body's natural cycles, even if you're not menstruating. It is awesome. You are definitely going to want to hear that. So make sure you've subscribed to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing and you love the show, I would be honored if you would do a rating and a review of the show. Those mean so much to me and help me to expand the circle of influence and the mission of Captivatingly Confident and also to get other guests on the show too. So thank you so much for investing in yourself for these 30 minutes. You are incredible. May you go forth and be you bravely. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Captivatingly Confident. I am so excited that you're here and investing in yourself. If you want to learn more about Captivatingly Confident, you can visit my website, captivatinglyconfident.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at kim.ludeman. Thank you so much for hanging out today. If you would like to, I invite you to subscribe to the show and also to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Every single review means so, so much to me, and it helps to get the word about Captivatingly Confident out and to help change women's lives. I'll see you next time.